0: Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times. Tonight, well, actually, it might not be night where you are <laughs> because we are all over the world with this summit. So wherever you are, I want you to imagine for a moment a world where you understood how your body could absolutely influence your mood that there's a biology of every emotion. And we're going to be exploring the biology of the emotion of confidence with my friend, Dr. Cynthia Bukhara. And as I stop the share, you can come on There you are, the magic of this. And this is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> now you see me? I see you. Yeah. It's the wonderful thing about the world that we're living in right now, is that we can be in different parts of the world and have a common conversation, just like we're having a common experience. So Dr. Cynthia, I am very, very grateful that you made time to come on the show and that you're going to be able to help us sort of take and uh, look behind the curtain into our own biology and how this impacts our mood. So I'm going to please ask you to share your story. Just give us the who are you and why is this important?
1: Thanks for doing this, Jackie. Uh, Couldn't be more timely and I am delighted and um, honored to be part of this. My name is Dr. Cynthia Bocara. I have trained for the past 30 years in uh, human structure neurology as a doctor of chiropractic. I've worked on folks from Olympic athletes to you know very young children from people in their 80s to uh, you know industry leaders and right now I work with folks like yourself who are entrepreneurs who have a very important message. that's close to their heart that can make an impact on the world. And so I can't think of anything more important than to be able to support them in being able to communicate that effectively. And the beautiful element of that is as I teach them these things, which are so important, um, I also share with them how it changes, not just the audience that they're communicating to that we think of as an audience, But the really the more important audience that we ever have from any communication we have ever sent is the audience that lives in our head and
0: our heart. Oh, well, there we go. You won't get any argument from me there. That's the one that is always there, always listening. And depending on our programming, it's either always supporting or always judging. It's, it's communicating. Let's just
1: say 24-7, we are communicating something. We're communicating to anybody who observes us, mm-hmm. and we're more importantly communicating internally um, in such a variety of ways. Uh, the, the, the words that we hear in our, in our head is one way, but also what we're communicating via the positioning and the shape of our body and the chemistry out of our body is communicating.
0: Oh, yes. uh, the shape because I love that you know, it was the shape and I'm like yeah feeling my shoulders hunch over and I'm like all right everybody stand up straight. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, the shape of our bodies and the biology you know the, what's actually going on inside. When we last saw each other, you were shepherding a whole bunch of us because I hang out with a lot of other people who are speakers and show hosts and things like that. And you were shepherding a bunch of us through some exercises to help us embody confidence. And I felt so good after those exercises, it was like, oh, you've got to come on the show. Because if we could raise people's levels of self-confidence, if they could have the tools to raise their own level of self-confidence, even just a little bit, I know from everything that we've been doing at the Suicide Prevention Society, I know that just that one little shift will absolutely reduce their risk of suicide. And- It's, and I'm going to broaden it because suicide is certainly serious. And here on this show, we have a lot of fun because we think suicide prevention can be seriously fun. But suicide can show up in very subtle ways as self-sabotage. And that's one of the things about self-confidence. It's the opposite end of the spectrum. People who are experiencing self-confidence don't sabotage. So let's talk about how do we get people over on this side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I just, you know, what you said
1: is so impactful is that if you can have a little bit of confidence mm. then it can shift everything. And, you know, I have, uh, I haven't known people that unfortunately I've had the, the blessing of not having people close to me in that situation, but I have known people and myself have gone through some very, very dark times. And you know now more than ever, there's it's overwhelming, and so the the likelihood is that somebody we know at some point is going to have those kind of thoughts. But the 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 ironic thing is, you know, I I want to get into this just a tad. Forgive me, uh, indulge me, Jackie, because I think this is if we people understood the underlying physiology of this it helps to not take those thoughts as seriously as we do the, you know there are three main reasons that we have emotions one of them is to keep to help us learn you know like we have these big emotions when something scary happens so that we don't put ourselves in that situation or when something awesome happens so that we can do more of that you know so emotions are a way of learning they're also a way of connecting our brain to our body so the when we have an emotion, that's taking an event that, that we think of that takes place in our head and it actually involves the whole body. In fact, there's no such thing as an emotion if you are not having a body reflex, you're just having a thought. But anybody who's had these dark um, thoughts their body has gotten involved. They're feeling that despair. They're feeling that, you know, uh, loneliness. They're feeling all of that. So it's a whole state and there's a shape to it. There's a great Charlie Brown um, uh, cartoon where he's like hunched over like this. And Lucy comes up to him and says, hey, Charlie, what you doing? And he says, oh, I'm practicing practicing my depressed... Uh, posture because there's no point in being depressed if you're not going to show it you know so it's like there's this connection but the challenging thing and and the other thing is that emotions are so captivating because they're supposed to impel us to go take action
0: amen they
1: are supposed to drive action anger is supposed to drive change to drive destroying something to make something new sadness um from a physiological standpoint is a response to a loss like we're supposed to when we cry in sadness and share our despair technically the tribe is supposed to come around us and it is a bonding so we you know we look at these emotions like they're terrible but there's really a value in them But the challenge is that that when we're in this thought, we think of it as real. We think that it's true.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: It's biology captivating us and sometimes taking us off, you know, in a direction that has nothing to do with the external or even internal environments. It's just the body got a hold and hijacked us, you know? And so we have to... Uh, sometimes question that and then the answer to that is not to take necessarily initially to just take something to change our chemistry. Only, I mean when, when certainly when we have clinical depression, we that is, is a step that we are taking if we get diagnosed with that and our doctor recommends that but that is a first step it's not the end game.
0: No, I'm a firm believer that medication is designed to give you enough stability that you can learn the skills that you need to maintain the emotional state, the physical state of health without the medication that that's the entire purpose, whether it's ADD, whether it's for depression, you know, this was my understanding that the purpose was just to get us stable so that then we could learn the skills that we need to remain stable without the medication. It's not what we're seeing though. I'm seeing people on different medications, especially around the mental health world for decades. And there's not a good training program to help them understand the physiology, the biology that they actually have control over. And that's why this conversation is so exciting. All right. So we're going to take people some step by steps. That's coming. But what is it about this that is so compelling for you? I mean, other than Charlie Brown, because we got to admit, everybody can just like, oh, rats, you know, we love Charlie Brown
1: so here, let me just share with you one of the first, so I've been working with bodies, human bodies for, as I said, three decades. And I am just fascinated at this connection between what takes place in our brain and then what gets manifested in our physiology. And that incredibly powerful connection. In fact, there are some leading neurologists that said this idea of a brain and a body is just a fabrication. Mm -hmm. It's actually, Body is an extension of the brain, and the brain is an extension of the body. So there really is, it, you know, it's not a saffron robe kind of a thing. It's just hardcore science. And for me, that's I, I just find that endlessly fascinating. Um, but it's it's how we can create a life of joy, ongoingly. And for me, I've had a lot of experiences in my life where I've had the opposite of joy, and. Over that time, you know, I really suffered with a lack of, of confidence growing up. Um, and, I, you know, it's ironic, isn't it, that now I teach people how to speak in front of people and have presence because I remember growing up, it was the most humiliating thing I could ever do. And I really just that feeling of a lack of confidence when I was growing up stood in my way in so much in terms of like asking questions or, you know, asking for what I want or valuing myself or thinking I I could get something done. Um, And so, you know, it kind of came to a head for me when I was at my mom's funeral and watched my uncle be on the one on stage, you know, at the service, talking to everybody. And I wanted nothing more, Jackie, than to tell everybody, you know, how much I miss my mom. And you know what an amazing person she was. And she didn't ask me for a really good reason because she knew that I would have a freak attack up there and probably, you know, make everybody feel worse. And so, I thought I've got to get over this lack of confidence because it's it's affecting so many areas of my life. And you know, in transparency, there are many situations right now where I have to like, like I have to create the confidence because i'm not feeling it in the moment i use i learn the tools that i have learned and i have to use it you know almost daily almost daily i mean literally uh daily i use it because sometimes i'm in a situation and the thoughts in my head are not happy you got this sin you know they're like oh my god you are not you're you just are doing something wrong you know i got that i'm not enough. <laughs> you're doing something wrong i got a serious fault you know there if anybody really knew how name it stupid not smart mistakes i've made things i've said but you know like you know things i'm not proud of if anybody knew that they would not like me so
0: and the reality is the natural negative bias of the brain and then the conditioning that says it's not safe to be seen Even if it was as simple as being raised in an environment that says children are to be seen and not heard. So it's not safe to speak up, even if it's okay to be seen. You know, this is a relatively common human experience. And so because it is, let's explore the biology of what shifts that for you. Because you said, and I quote, I use it every day. What is it in that sentence?
1: When with the, it, the it of which I refer <laughs> is how to kind of hack, although I'm not crazy about that term, but kind of hack your, your physiology to create the emotionality or the psychology that you want.
0: Okay, so I'm going to give you something other than hack since you don't like that word. I call it having an emotional remote control. We grow up giving those to other people. We think that other people make us feel, and our culture supports that mythology with country songs like, You make me feel like a. Yeah, I mean, no, the answer is no, he doesn't, ladies. You felt that way and you gave him credit because you knew it would be good for what was going to happen later. So let's get real. We control our own emotions, except we don't believe that we do. And so, when you're willing to take back your emotional remote controls, what's the first step someone can do to push their own buttons?
1: Uh, in okay, yes, to push their own buttons in that positive, you know, mm-hmm. positive. Um, first thing and foremost is just as the the great uh, prophet philosopher Charlie Brown said, "There's a sh- there's a shape to depression." And it's not this, it's not an open body, it's not a wide stance, it's not an elevated chest. It's a a head forward, a shoulders drop, a chest cave, a pelvis flex, a knee flex, a head down. If you were a mime, Jackie, and you were asked to go on stage and, and share with the audience and get them to believe that you were depressed, there's a shape that you would use to do that, right?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yes, well, absolutely.
0: There, We can see it in other people, but you know, there was something that you said in that first quote about Charlie Brown that caught my attention, where he said he was practicing his you know, despair because it was no good to feel that if you didn't show it. And yet we have become so good at not showing our emotions. We have become so good at projecting what we think the others need to see. What does the world want from me? Who does the world want me to show up as? And so we kind of put on a a a pseudo body and, and put this projection out into the world. What you're talking about is one level deeper than that. It's not a pretense. It's about inviting your biology to actually shift your emotion.
1: Yeah, it's partnering actually with your biology for the greater good of the whole system because it's not a head and a, and a body, mm-hmm. um, it's a system. And we need to think in terms of systemic thinking. Like, okay, so I it, something goes wrong and until I have all these tools, something goes wrong externally Um, and I feel this feeling, right? I feel a lack of confidence. Somebody says no to me, for example, or I get an F on my paper, you know, or I get fired from a job right now, you know? And then we have this feeling that, you know, and the way that the brain, and I know you've talked about this, the way that the brain is structured, it's brilliant because it wants to save time. So it associates everything. So you you have this feeling of pain of uh, rejection and your brain in its brilliance is going to go around and find a hundred different ways that you felt rejected and amplify that feeling. And pretty soon your body is going to go into the correlating physiology or the correlating shape to that Mm -hmm. because there's a designation and it works both ways. You feel the emotion, your body goes into the shape but the great thing is it's a two-way feedback mechanism like many aspects of the body. So oh you God. can feel bad and change your shape, which will then alter your feeling.
0: It is a, um, a feedback loop is a great way to express it because a feedback loop is specifically designed to create shift. You know, the greatest, most effective, obvious feedback loop in the world is that solar powered, this is your speed sign that starts flashing at you if you're going over the speed limit on that street. That feedback loop has saved lives and it has certainly saved pocketbooks because it prevents you from getting a speeding ticket. You know, were we consciously aware of our speed before that thing flashed at us? Probably not. And so we need feedback loops. We absolutely do. They are very powerful tools when used correctly. I think part of the problem is that people don't realize they're getting feedback and they just think they're feeling.
1: Right, yes, that's exactly right. And so, so the shape of uh, depression and anxiety are similar, but that shape gets created by us looking down at these all day.
0: <laughs>
1: at the computer where our head is, literally looking down like this and our shoulders go in as we're typing away here. So we are creating through our habits, the shape of uh, depression, which is going to just give us as a direct response, the neurotransmitters and the experience of that in short order.
0: You know, that's amazing because we are now a society that is headed towards chronic depression and anxiety simply based on our, um, dare I say, addiction to screens.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, the, it's the shape that we go into, you know, the shape of uh, sitting at our computer and our heads not down, but it's a head like this. Our arms are in front of us, our knees are bent. It's essentially a modified fetal position which as long as you're not a fetus anymore and you're outside of the body is a position of terror and intense. Like we, you know, what do we say? Oh, it was such a bad day. I wanted to go on my bed and crawl into the.
0: Yeah, curl up into a fetal position. Yeah, it is. It's a very uh, protective Um, because everything, I I mean, my background is the oriental style of diagnosis and, and energetic arts and the center, the front side of the body, the soft side of the body, you know, this is the most vulnerable side. And so curling up is the protective thing because you've got the hard shell to protect you. And We don't think about that when we're using our cell phones or typing on our computers. Usually, what are we thinking about? Whatever is going on in our head that we're trying to figure out on the screen. So what do you recommend? Because this has got to be a step-by-step to get people to break that behavior that is leading them down the road to chronic depression and anxiety. It's a pattern worth breaking.
1: It's a pattern worth breaking for all of us, you know. Even if we haven't gotten down to those extremes, um, it is a it is a slippery slope of despair and sadness, mm-hmm.
0: and anxiety,
1: you know. And they can because of the way the brain is in that association, it can just like mushroom for somebody who who hadn't previously. One of my patients actually is uh, college student, and he was. And uh, you know, he was a swimmer and he was amazing and he set records and he was gonna go to the nationals and maybe even try out for the Olympics and then COVID hit and he didn't get to do his last, his last meet which sounds, you know, it sounds superficial but for him, it was, a, it was like, you know uh, somebody missing the Olympics. It's like they had done all this work and they, they had all of these expectations and then he didn't get to graduate you know, and then there's no jobs. And then he was supposed to go over to New Zealand and train for two years. And it's like this normally happy-go-lucky, very, you know, uh, athletic, successful young man got the rug pulled out from under him. Mm. So then he stopped working out and then he was holding himself and he's on his screens and then he's feeling bad. And it's, it's a slippery slope to having those feelings. You know, and so the first thing we did with him was, hey, listen, dude, you need to hold yourself in a physiology, in a shape of confidence, of feeling like a winner, feeling like you were on that stage. You know, the easiest way to do it, Jackie, is against the wall.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Against the wall, head against the wall pulling the shoulders down, tightening up the stomach as you get as tall as you possibly can. Put your, if you put your fingers underneath your ears, there's a bone right there. Uh, right behind your ears is like the base, the little um, external auditory meatus is right there. That's the hole. But yeah. right below that's called the mastoid process. And if you <laughs> pull up on that, have this sensation of that first bone in your neck, which is right about here, of that coming up, you'll feel your belly have to pull in.
0: Okay, so I'm getting taller.
1: Getting taller, it's kind of like squeezing a tube of toothpaste, you squish it up.
0: Ah, okay. You know, cool. you would,
1: if you were in the, the casing of your door and you were, when we were younger, trying to get taller than our older sister. Oh you know, yeah. I'll get as tall as you can that pulls your body into a confident bearing while you pull your shoulders down cool. that's the posture of
0: confidence the all right posture so, of- the posture of confidence and we there's the a little hiccup in the audio maybe so i want to make sure people get this the posture of confidence is the posture that you would use against a door jam when you're nine trying to get as tall as your sister who's 11. I have a sister two years older than me. That's why I use those numbers. So yeah, so it's that kind of thing. It's heels. It's, it's, it's just let's let's get straight and then let's see if we can stretch. Yeah. yeah. So what you said about squishing it, you know, so tightening up all the muscles that will support the vertebrae to get taller. Cool. All right, so now that in and of itself feels like a workout today because it's you know been a long day. Um, what else goes with that? Or wait a minute, let me come back to this. Squeezing up, all right? So this is the squeezing up posture of confidence. How much time would someone want to spend consciously in that posture?
1: <laughs> Jackie, remember who you're talking to. I am a... I am a board certified chiropractor at this for 30 years. So my answer would be that to that would be like, oh, all the time, (laughs) (laughs) anytime you're standing or sitting (laughs) well, and I'm not, and, and I'm only, I'm only just a little bit kidding because we're under gravity all day long. And gravity actually is our friend when we are in alignment under gravity that produces the chemistry of, I got this. Um, or it produces the chemistry of I'm depressed. So, you know, I guess you could ask yourself, how many hours do you want to be depressed? So, give me that. <laughs> how many hours do you want to feel good? Give me this shape. Pull your legs a little bit wider and put and get your arms a little bit wider. And the research shows us that two minutes of standing with your spine like this, your your feet at about, you know, like this wide, a little bit wider than hip wide, and your arms like this or like this, two minutes of that will reduce your stress hormone by 20 to 25% and increase your confidence hormone by 15 to
0: 20%. Yeah. What I realized when you did that is whether I'm up like this or down like this, my elbows are about the same distance from my spine. Right. Yeah, so it is about what they used to call arms akimbo. Yeah, and so, cool, all right, so. Open, this
1: whole fascia here, your shoulders, it's open, it's not closed.
0: Okay, so we wanna be up and open. Cool, all right, so there's the two-step. Now we have the biology of confidence two-step. You wanna squeeze up and get open. (laughs) <laughs> squeeze up and open up there we go i like that cool so what's so good about being in the physiology of confidence you just mentioned that it actually lowers the stress chemicals in the bloodstream you know the stress cocktail epinephrine adrenaline cortisol you know if, if that's in our bloodstreams all the time and i think even more so now because we're not doing the things that would naturally bring it down. So this two-step lowers the stress cocktail in our bloodstream. You said by up to 20%. Yeah, there's, there's,
1: there's a lot of different things that you can do, which I do almost every single day because I want to feel happy. You know, my brain is hardwired for that negativity bias too. And I have plenty of, I've plenty of examples in my life where things didn't go right, that if I chose to focus on, would get me in that spiral. So what I, what I do for sure is, first of all, I try to question whether that's true and, you know, fr- try to brainiac it out. But, but really what I do first is I, uh, instead of brainiacing, I body act or, or something like ice, I get myself into the, the posture, the shape of happiness or the shape of confidence. And then I go out in the sun. You know, there, there are things that humans have been doing for 84,000 generations that are, that are over evolution, over evolutionary time are hardwired into our biological systems that keep us in alignment with the nature of human being. I call it the human operating system. So standing like this, if you go to a a society of hunters and gatherers, folks who are still living off the land, you would never see somebody like this. They they have the most elegant uh, posture because it's the most mechanically advantageous, and they're not going to get hurt, and they'll be able to hunt and gather longer. So they're all standing up straight. They have the most magnificent butt ever (laughs) they do the 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 abs and booty videos that you ever see because they use their body in the way it's designed and they don't sit on their booties all day long
0: oh there we go you go yep so
1: get out in the sun i say eyes in the sun feet in the sand meaning um be before nine o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning at the latest go out in the sun for 15 minutes that in your eyeballs, in your retina will change your hormones. It will change your inflammation levels. It will change your vitamin D production. It will change your ability to sleep and get rest, which sets you up for the next day. And then get your in the sand, you know, it's called earthing or grounding, but as humans, we are designed to walk on the earth, not on three inch platforms on concrete. And there's a lot of uh, things that occur when we do that
0: oh yeah there's a whole electromagnetic system that we get disconnected from especially with rubber soled shoes you know rubber soled wood all of these things that don't conduct electricity are actually barriers to that so all right so now we've got the two-step which is the squeeze up and you know arms up, open up, squeeze up and open up. I remembered. All right, we got the two step of squeeze up and open up. Then we've got the two step of eyes in the sun before nine, it's definitely before 11 AM, wherever you are, it's and feed in the sand.
1: Feed in the sand, Walk in cool. the earth, walk on grass, walk on sand, walk in the water and uh, it just connects us to nature. Our our heart, we're so hardwired to look at landscapes and vistas that when we get out in nature, our whole physiology just goes, and it changes everything. It lowers our blood pressure. It changes our breathing patterns. It changes our brain waves. Therefore it changes our neurotransmitters.
0: Cool. All right. So. I'm just gonna say it again, squeeze up and open up. That's the first two step. Then it's eyes in the sun, feet in the sand. Let's walk the earth before the sun gets to its you know apex, before we get direct sunlight when it's still at an angle. So those are two really good and time-honored, obviously, time-honored, very substantiated by science. You said something just a second ago. You, yeah, what's the third one? Okay, give us the third one and then we'll come back to what I was thinking.
1: Well, so the third one is what we put in our mouth. Um, in, I call it, are you inspired or are you inflamed? Are you, in, are you thinking inspiring thoughts? Are you thinking thoughts that are inflaming your sadness or inflaming your stress? Are you eating foods that inspire your body and give it what it needs, or are you eating foods that inflame them? Because the chemistry that gets created in our body by our diet doesn't stay uh, from the neck down. much of it passes the blood-brain barrier and this inflammation causes inflamed thought. So even if there's no reason Let's just say we got our eyes in the the sun and our feet in the sand. We stood really great and nothing's really going on in our life to make us upset. If we are on a diet that causes our body to have inflammation, meaning processed food, lots of carbohydrates, um, not enough nutrient value in the food, if we have bad chemistry from our diet and everything else is going great, we're still going to feel like, Badly, we're still going to feel bad.
0: (laughs) Got it. (laughs) All right. This is the suicide prevention show. You can absolutely use the technical term that almost came out of your mouth. We'll just call it crap.
1: Yeah. And when you feel like crap, everything is a problem. When you wake up and you feel good and you have energy and you look in the mirror and you look vibrant and you've got color to your skin and your hair is shining, nothing's a problem. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I can fix that. I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. But if you wake up and you haven't slept and you ate junk the night before and you were punched over like this and you haven't seen the sun in days, every single thing, is a massive problem. Somebody looks at you wrong and it's like, oh God, they think I'm an idiot. I'm just terrible. I'm ne- this is never gonna work. I can't possibly go take this piece of paper and stick it in the trash. It's, it's exhausting. You know, it's like these extreme experiences of life based on our physiology, not based on any reality. It's just all perception, filtered, through this physiology.
0: So because perception really does create our version of reality, what you're really talking about here is the guidelines to have control over your own perception of the world. Yes. Imagine, I'm just gonna ask everybody, just imagine for a minute what your life would be like if you absolutely had certainty that your perception of the world was yours to control. Yeah. That would be a game changer in a lot of ways because instead of having a stubbed toe turn into a stubbed day or life, a stubbed toe would be just a stubbed toe.
1: The Dang toe that hurts. Right?
0: Yeah. You know, it it wouldn't mean that you're gonna have a bad day. It wouldn't necessarily be perceived as a precursor to a problem. And I think that's really what people are stuck with right now. We have a culture and a media system that is in the service of keeping us informed, is giving us information without filters that absolutely triggers the natural negative bias of our brains. And the more they trigger the natural negative bias, the more our bodies release the most addictive chemical in the world, and it's not heroin or cocaine, it's cortisol. And if they can keep triggering cortisol, we'll keep listening. So the physiology, the biology of confidence, my step one, go get unplugged. Don't give other people permission to brainwash you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, let's make no mistake about it. All media is designed to have eyeballs and uh, you know, they know the amount of money and investment in research they do on what will grab our attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's, uh, Diabolical might be a hard word, but actually, I don't think it is.
0: I think <laughs> well, we're going to call it by design. It yeah. is designed to keep us on the page. Um, whether we're talking about the algorithms in social media that are designed to reward people who use native videos on that social media platform versus something recorded that they put there. I mean, it's their ballpark, it's their rules, but once you understand the rules of their game, then you're not held hostage by them. You can actually play to win. And it's the same with the news, it's the same with advertising. The whole reason that I studied neuro-linguistic programming, what people now know as NLP, was not because I wanted to be a practitioner, it was a defense mechanism because I recognized that it was being used by Madison Avenue. It was being used in all of the marketing messages. And once I understood that those marketing messages actually followed a formula specifically designed to trigger my limbic brain, I was, became pretty much immune, but it took years of yeah. becoming aware. So the biology of confidence can be completely overridden by the quality of what you're putting into your mouth, your ears, and your eyes.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah. So let's talk about how do you get quality content in the mouth, in the ears, and in the eyes for just a couple of minutes.
1: All right, well, you know, I, like you, believe very strongly on limiting the programming that I put in my own brain. So, you know, this flies in the face of a lot of, of people who, who want to have a social responsibility in that I do not watch any network media. I don't, I don't uh, get on Facebook, I don't do Twitter, I don't do any social media, I don't listen to the news. When there's an issue that I actually, I'm going to be able to have an influence on such as the election, then I, then I do a deep work. I, my husband loves this stuff. So I say, okay, well, give me what you found. I'm gonna make my choice. And then I like to do my best to get it out because I believe that the biggest impact that each individual has in the world as a collective is the ripple effect that they can actually have on the on the uh, their range their circumference of influence. So if they're influencing in an inflamed manner, that's going to ripple out to everybody who has touch points with them. So like get
0: that crap out. You know? So, so here's, here's the deal. If you embrace the idea that we are not a body and a brain, that we are an integrated system, then it's not such a stretch to go to the collective. Like you said, the whole point of tears is that it brought the tribe together and the, the collective could process the emotion with you so that you weren't stuck in your own misery. It was processed through the tribe. The tribal village methodology of emotion has been disconnected and dismantled and fragmented in our current world. And so one of the powers of this conversation is that let's start bringing back awareness to the impact not just that our village has on us, and so choose your village, but on the impact that we have on our village. So when you start recognizing that you are not just influencing your own confidence, but you're impacting the village, you are having either the inspiring or inflaming impact You're somewhere on this spectrum. And the point of this conversation is to help wake you up to the fact that you are somewhere on this spectrum influencing your own body, influencing your own brain, influencing your own village. And now that you know you're on the spectrum, you can start looking for ways to shift towards the inspiring side. So come over to the inspiring side. Mm
1: And you know, Jackie, a lot of people say to me, Dr. Cynthia, well, that's not being very responsible. You know, I should, I need to know what current events are. I I should. I should, I need, you know, I'm supposed to know what foreign policy is. I need to know how the democracy works. I need to know this. I, you know, I need to be responsible.
0: There are people who absolutely can listen to all of the rhetoric and watch all of it without being emotionally caught up because they have the system of discernment. They have what I call the democratic discernment for the people who do not have democratic discernment where they're actually hearing the facts and not the influence. Right. And,
1: and they don't get the emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. It's,
0: yeah, it's, they're, they're, they're not triggerable by this um, methodology. Yeah. The, the majority of people are. And yeah. so choose. And what the, there's a phrase in Judaism that says, look up and choose wisely. So When it comes to the biology of confidence, we've been talking about squeeze up and open up. Now I'm going to invite everybody when it comes to the sources of information that you allow into your head, look up and choose wisely.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, if you need a permission slip to not watch the news, I give it to you. I'm energetically sending you permission to not watch it. And if you feel like you need to be responsible by watching all that stuff and knowing every single thing that's going on, I I wanna suggest to you that your greater responsibility is to be a well-functioning human, a happy human on this planet who ripples out that happiness and joy and inspiration. Way more important than you know what CNN or Fox News said about X issue. Or
0: Y, yeah. So we are in complete agreement there. So while I use social media, you know, there is is a lot of value there as far as especially with the suicide prevention movement. You know, I use, we have a YouTube channel for the suicide prevention movement so we can have this content available to everyone on demand. You know, we produce 24 hours of content every time we do a show because we know that your longest day, even your worst day, only has 24 hours in it. So this ability to have content like this, Dr. Cynthia, where in just a little bit of time, in a few minutes, the ability to claim total control over your emotion, to embody the biology of confidence, such a gift. And I really, really appreciate this. Okay, let's wrap this up and take it home for people. We've got the two-step. The power of emotion. Okay, so two-step is squeeze up and open up. But the first thing you said was the three purposes of emotion. And the first purpose of emotion was to help people learn. And the second purpose of emotion was to connect with the body, to get us out of our heads and absolutely get into this whole system. And my sense was that the third purpose was connection to the tribe. But I wasn't. Sure, if there was another, if I missed it.
1: Yeah, connection with the tribe, it falls under the category of uh, incite action, motivate in some way, you know? Uh, So when you're crying, the the action that gets uh, incited is for people to come to you, you know? Um, If you're angry, the action that it makes you want to do is to break something and, you know, fight something.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's true, but I heard somewhere that the root of the word emotion was emote, which is to move. I somebody's uh, going to have to pick apart the Latin for me, but this is what I heard and it makes, it sounds good. It might not be true, but it sounds good. And maybe it'll help other people remember that emotion is designed to create movement.
1: Yes. Yeah. It is definitely designed to, to create movement and movement is this physiology. It's not like intellectual, conceptual movement. It's like, oh, move that body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you move the body, when you're having these big emotions, it allows you to process that emotion. We are not designed to have these tough emotions- And not move. And not move, and to just sit there and try and brainiac our way out of it. It's right. not the-
0: You've hit upon one of my, my- Let me beat my drum for just a second. PTSD is often contained in this lack of physical movement at the moment of high emotion.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so it's that when we hold our breath, even just that simple stopping of that motion, but it's when we feel powerless to act are we start then getting into this whole cycle. And there's a lot written about it, but the power of taking control of your body and making sure that you squeeze up and power up and with the shoulders down, power up, it's the shoulders down, up and the shoulders down. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) When we squeeze up and open up, consciously so I'm going to give everybody a tip that I use with my clients which is when you're trying to create a new physiological stimulus a new trigger for yourself set an alarm in your phone to go off every hour during waking hours and for five minutes practice this practice the squeeze up and and the open up or the open up give your body five minutes Because I think that if two minutes makes a 20% drop, maybe five minutes, we can get a little more. Who
1: knows? (laughs) (laughs) It's It's worth the experiment.
0: It's worth the experiment. Dr. Cynthia, where can I, oh, what can I do? I mean, what can I do to say thank you? This has just been the most fun. For anyone listening to this on the podcast or on the show later, we will look in the show notes you'll see all of Dr. Cynthia's links and and her bio and all of this I know that you have so much to give and I greatly appreciate the fact that you have a gift for everyone who's on the show listening to this talk and I didn't grab the link for it because that's usually Katie's job and Katie's not with me right this second so you want to um, give me a minute or do you want to pull it up? You want to just pull it up from your memory and I will pull it up from my list. How's that?
1: Well, you know, the, the thing that, first of all, the, the gift that I want to give is is really the, um, the change in perspective. That's the most important thing. The change in perspective that you can create by changing your shape by cha- by moving by getting in the sun not thinking that in order to change your thinking you've got to t- change it just from a chemical standpoint you there are so many things that you can do that we're going to reinforce all of that to give you a better experience of your life and the the specific gift that i have is for folks who you know the, the interesting thing sometimes just like with comedians lots of times people who um, have had the, the most challenging and difficult emotions are the ones that are most brilliant at, in comedy. And what I find is that people who have gone through really difficult struggles are the best people to go share that message with other people, to make a difference. And so that's what my gift is. I help people to be able to organize their thoughts, in a way that they can that they can communicate it effectively and powerfully from the heart. So that's the gift that I have. It's a, it's a template. It's a, it's a video that kind of explains it to you to, so you can kind of walk yourself through that in, in, in a way that it, it's just a template. It doesn't mean it's the only way, but it, you can get it at stageauthorityformula.com signature. <laughs>
0: Signature talk. Okay. So there was a signature talk at the end, and I've actually popped it into our chat here for the people who are here, and it will be in the show notes. Everyone will get a chance to have access to this. It's really more than a template. I mean, it's how to craft a powerful message that you can share effectively with the world. And when I saw that this is what you were offering, I got super excited because there are people who study astrology and say, this is the age of Aquarius that's coming in. And I'm like, woohoo! I think it's the age of the messenger and that everyone has a message that is possibly big enough to change the world if you are willing to learn how to deliver it in a way that inspires. So how to craft a powerful message that you can share effectively with the world is an amazing gift. It's more than just a template. It's got videos with it. It's got the explanations. It's got the how-tos. And so thank you very much. If somebody's listening to this on the podcast, don't worry about writing it down. It's in the show notes. Dr. Cynthia, that's an amazing gift. And I really appreciate your time. And all of the things that you shared, oh, my goodness, we have gone all the way from the power of emotion to the power of simply taking control of what you're putting into your body and your brain. So beautifully, beautifully done. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us.
1: Right, my, my honor.